Hey, welcome to episode 44 of Tangible Takeaways. Today we're talking about providence, and uh, we're going to be talking about how providence isn't about pain removed, but pain redeemed. Hey, you guys, and I'm Todd. Happy to be on the episode today. We're going to talk about how sovereignty is more about God's power. Providence is more about his purposefulness. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Uh, man, it's just going to be fun to get into this conversation. We talked about, you were preaching this weekend, talking about, hey, we're going to kind of get into this concept of providence, um, but we'll unpack it a little bit more here in this format, which is a great um, way for us to approach tangible takeaways to say, let's dig into that a little bit more. But before we get directly into that uh, providence conversation, um, let's talk just about this book, Esther, and what was kind of compelling about it, or uh, just kind of what you're looking forward to in this series. Yeah. Thanks for having me on Tangible Takeaways yeah. today. It's good. Always good to get to chat with you. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, I don't know that going in, in the pandemic, when it was especially at the beginning, the first six months, what would we always say as leaders? There's no playbook. Mm. I don't know what to do. I've never been here before. Nobody can tell me what to do. Haven't blazed the trail for a hundred years and things were a lot different then, that kind of thing. So I never, but I was trying to consider what does scripture have to say, maybe not specifically about a pandemic, but when you don't know what to do. Yeah. That great quote, Jehoshaphat, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, Lord. Mm. That's a great quote. So that was one thing I was running with for sure. Yeah. But then uh, back to what I shared this weekend, my home group, kind of in the more recent season of this two years, just said, hey, we came across this book, think it'd be a good read. I said, oh, it's great, let's do it. So as we were week in and week out, chapter by chapter, going through the book of Esther, it was just amazing how many similarities we found, how many applications that we found, and how much, in a powerful way, it actually gave substance to what we'd experienced. Mm. Like, we don't have a lot of, we still are very confused what's happened and what's happening. Yeah. But somehow the book of Esther gave us comfort that we actually can connect some dots to some of the things that happened 2,500 years ago. Hmm. So that's probably the impetus of why this series, because I feel like um, there's still things that we're working through as a people that we're going to keep seeing opportunities. Yeah. Even, even though it's not a pandemic, I mean, there is no playbook for when the queen refuses the king and then is now deposed and there's this vacancy and uh, all of the other things that are going to ensue. There's no playbook for that situation. And so there is something that we can resonate in that where, um, man, when the unexpected happens, um, what are the opportunities there for us? Because I think if anything, probably the last two years showed um, just about anybody that we're not really well prepared for the unexpected. Yeah. And um, that's probably why it's not well expected. Um, <laughs> it's but, unexpected. Yeah, that <laughs> makes sense. But at the same time, man, there is there is actually a biblical playbook for unexpected seasons still. And, yeah. um, and it's not always clear and cookie cutter, but there is a playbook there. Mm. And, um, and it presents like this series is going to point us to these amazing opportunities to step up to what God's calling us to. And uh, I think one of the things that helps us embrace that stepping up reality is this topic of providence. Um, it can be almost in some ways a real make or break understanding for us mm. um, because there's some pitfalls that we can fall into that maybe cause us to not 
step up. So let's just start with, this is kind of like uh, you use sometimes the term Bible land. Providence mm-hmm. is a Bible land word. Um, it's probably even more so than like a word like glory or holy. We really just don't even say the word providence. What is providence? Is it the same as sovereignty? Is it different? What's kind of the relationship there between those two big words, providence and sovereignty? Yeah. No, that's great. I, and what was really cool, we had a great meeting with our teaching team a week ago, and that's really what surfaced in the conversation um, was trying to get handles around these things. What are we talking about when we say providence? And and I used the term in my manuscript for week one as I understood it, but then as we started talking, it was like, oh, but you're not working off that same page, or oh, you see it a little bit nuanced differently. Mm. So it really created a great conversation. Out of that conversation came a couple things. One was we need a working definition for this series. So when we say providence, especially in the series of Esther, what do we mean when we say that? And this Hmm. concept, I love the purposefulness. One of the the topics or uh, resources I went to, John Piper wrote a book just on the topic of providence. Hmm. And so doing, not reading the whole book, but getting some pieces of that book and processing it was really helpful to me. And so in that, um, that was really a big win to kind of go, okay, here's a guy who's taken a whole book on this topic to try to give it clarity. And he made a big deal where he would say sovereignty is really more about the um, demonstration of God's power. Hmm. God has absolute control and power over all that's going to happen. So there's never going to be an equal force that is going to try to derail his plan. He's more powerful than everything else. And then he nuanced sovereignty from providence, a providence though being purposeful. Hmm. So you almost have, if you combine them together, purposeful power Hmm. or power that is purposeful, I guess. Purposeful power goes better. So that was really cool to me to go, okay, at least in his mind, he would see sovereignty as more the might and the strength of who God is, and he will accomplish his thing. How Hmm. is providence often? Now, one thing I would say, I think it's not providential when we see in scripture, when God does something miraculous. It wasn't provident, and we'll nuance this in a minute, it wasn't providential when the Red Sea parted in two and the ex-slaves from Egypt walked through the water on dry land. Mm. That's a miracle. Yeah. And so what what is what is if you base it, the word providence in our English language looks a lot like provide. Hmm. They're very similar root words. And they have the same concept of God going before, seeing what needs to happen, and then making it providing the way for it to happen. So God provided for the Israelite slaves by doing the miraculous. I just wouldn't see that the way I usually think of providence as much more behind the scenes. Mm. I think you could make a case that that still fits the definition of providence, just in an incredibly miraculous way. And it's not the providence you're going to see in Esther, though. Not the providence, not at all, right? Yeah. God, even his name doesn't show up, so everything's behind the scenes. And I wonder if sometimes that's what's hard for us. We read the Old Testament narratives, we even read the New Testament, and we see God do really miraculous things. And we kind of wonder in our time and in our experience, I'm not seeing mm. the lame guy walk. I'm not seeing the waters part. 
And therefore, A, does God even work like that anymore? Or B, maybe he just doesn't do that for me, Hmm. right? Those are some of the things we wonder. And I almost wonder if we had a greater sense of understanding and value of what I think is most often true of providence, that it is God working circumstantially behind the scenes, then we would actually, it would bolster our faith to go, if God wanted to do the miraculous, that'd be awesome. Yeah. But even if he doesn't, it'll be awesome. He's still because up to he's something. still accomplishing what he wants to do. Mm. So I think that's kind of the ways I've tried to discern it in my brain is that I think you'd have to put under the umbrella the miraculous and the circumstantial. They are, yeah. both are probably providence, but the one that we're seeing in Esther, like you said, for sure, is not the miraculous. It's all the circumstantial. Yeah. Right? Even the even the not including God's name in the book, maybe Esther is almost functioning in a way where it's teaching the reader to identify God's providence, right? Look it's almost it. training us. If you can see God's providence in this story, maybe you can begin to see it in your own. Good. And as you kind of go about that. So just to kind of clarify on where you're going, sovereignty, it kind of sits above. It's the almost the natural state or reality of who God is. He's in control. Nobody opposes that. Providence, though, is then how he exercises that purposefully with a plan in mind. Mm. And even um, in the distinction between the miraculous and providence, uh, your example of parting the Red Sea, uh, maybe a providential way that God could have um, got them across the Red Sea would be that there would be barges there or something like that. That would All be, of a sudden, there were just boats waiting for us. Yeah, right? that yeah. would be providential more in the way that we see happening in Esther of like, what a coincidence. Mm-hmm. But God's people know that's no coincidence. He's showing up. But the miraculous is, um, and I think that's where that distinction is in Esther. The miraculous, it almost, it cannot be denied that it's anything but, but. God. Mm-hmm. It's so clearly, I mean, that's, nothing else does that. But boats being there, that could just be good luck. Yeah. You know, coincidence. That seems that way. But when God's people know God's sovereignty, that he is supremely in control of everything, and then that he is providentially, purposely working for them um, for his good, uh, bringing that about in his own people, well, then they look at coincidence and they say, well, it's more than coincidence. Is totally. that, are we tracking in the right spot? I think we're tracking the right way. Okay. Here's another interesting thing that I think is powerful. If you'll read literature from a couple hundred years ago or even earlier, what you'll find, even with authors who were, you wouldn't take from anything in their life or their writing that they were followers of Jesus, but there was a culture that was more deistic, right? Mm. I believe in maybe even gods, but at least a god, a a, a greater power, right? Yeah. We wouldn't call that saving faith, none of that, but they were deists at least. And what was interesting is if you read in literature, you'll see the word providence come up a lot. And it was the way that people would say, huh, isn't that interesting? Look what providence provided as though there's a force in the universe that's somehow aligning things to favor me. Mm. We never think of providence against us, right? It's always like, oh, it worked out something good for me is how we usually think of it. And, but they would use that word providence actually wasn't the Bible land word it is today. Mm. It was used more in the common culture, but it was people saying, I don't know that I can name who God is, but whoever that being is, hooked me up. They helped me. Yeah. Right. 
So what's fascinating is now we're in this post-Christian. So like almost like fairies or trolls or like, yeah, you know, you, leprechauns. You think of all the different like yeah. weird mythologies. And you could put it all under one big net. Oh, providence. Mm. Look how, and they would say, you know, look how providence provided or whatever. And you're like, who's providence? Yeah. That's that's what they meant. Mm. There's there's more than circumstance, but I don't know who to call it. Yeah. Who, who's really behind it, right? Um, but then here we are in this post-Christian America and we don't even know what the word means. Yeah, right? we just because say how lucky. Like, I was so fortunate, or yeah. man, that worked out so great. Or you'll ever hear every once in a while, everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. That, in a sense, is is today's version of look what providence provided. Yeah, It's kind of that same thing. It's kind of giving credit to something, but not knowing for sure who. And we've even started giving it to ourselves. Like, I think that's what manifesting is, right? Like, Mm. well, I just spoke it into existence, Mm. right? Mm. And that's like, well, I just started thinking about it enough and it just happened. It happened. You know, and it's like, (laughs) man, what, how far have we fallen from believing that God's up to something? God, if you'd get off the throne, I'd like to sit there. Yeah, and I'm just going to manifest all day long. (laughs) And, And so that's kind of a good understanding of, okay, now we've got some rails for what providence is. I do think there are some pitfalls with providence. What are some things that you would maybe put before our church family and say, well, this is what providence isn't, or maybe Mm. some places where you could go wrong. Obviously it's not the trolls. It's not manifesting. Are there any other things that come to mind like that? Yeah. Maybe I could say this first in a conversation with another Jack that we know, Pastor Jack yesterday, he made a great point. I brought my Bible to read uh, a verse that we know well, and we would link for sure to providence, but it's Romans eight twenty eight. and listen to it mm. again. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Mm. So number one about that verse related to our conversation, God is up to something all the time. And he is even in difficult even evil circumstances going to redeem them to ultimately bring about what is good for those who've been called according to his purpose. Mm. When I'm counseling with someone who hasn't put their faith in Christ yet, I talk about this a little bit because they come to talk to me because things are difficult, right? No one comes to talk to a pastor because everything's awesome today. And as we're talking, I nuance this a little bit to say, for those that have put their faith in Christ and they've been called into God's family as a result, this is true. But Romans 8 isn't saying that about everyone. Mm. It's for those who are the people of God. Mm. And and the reason why you can make that demark, if you are going to spend eternity apart from God, the difficult things are not leading to that end, not leading to that good. And that's why you go, this really is nuanced. The, the who of this verse is really important. But there's another who, and and we read all things, so difficult things, things like we're going to read about in the book of Esther. God is working Mm. in them, through them, for their good. But what's powerful, the other who is besides who who receives the good is who gives it. Mm. And it talks about that God is the work. God is the worker. God is the one who is at work in these circumstances. So I think we have to think of providence. We have to be careful not to be those deists who would just go, oh, isn't it great all these things are coming up sunshine for me? And and that must be just providentially God's hand. Yeah. I think we have to be careful to kind of go, what bucket am I putting things in in my own head? And as at the end of the day, can I keep coming back to as a follower of Jesus? It all is credit to God Mm. at the end of the day. But this is the thing that Pastor Jack reminded me of. The first two words of Romans 8, 28, we know. 
Hmm. We know. And I think that part is really powerful because what it's saying is, is that we're going to be in circumstances in our lives where we don't know. Right in the middle of tough things, I shared that a little bit on Sunday, right in the middle of tough things, I believed in my head theologically, Romans 8, 28, that God is up to something good and he's going to redeem it. But man, your circumstances are screaming something yeah, different. Just, just imagine like screaming is a great way of saying it. All these voices seeming like they're this far apart from your face, just yelling at you. You can't see through that to remember what you know. Yeah. And that's what I loved when he brought that up to me yesterday. It's not only we know, but I love it doesn't say I know. Mm. Because the we is we need other people to remind us of what we do know. Mm. And that's what happened. I had Pastor Jack and I had Pastor George and I had Pastor Kurt, Pastor Tom. All of them were aware of the challenges I was going through and all of them kept empathetically listening but they kept reminding me of what I knew. Mm. And that's powerful to me because I think sometimes we're providentially see, we're gonna love the book of Esther for how it resolves, but we're gonna have to sit in Esther week after week or in the week that we're in. And there's a whole bunch of unresolved and a whole bunch of anxiety and a whole bunch of this is gonna go really bad for a lot of people. Yeah. So you can't just jump to the end and go, Providence. Awesome. It's like no, there's a lot of difficulty. And there's years in between chapter one and the end. So yeah. it's a, it's years of difficulty. It's it, not... It doesn't... Re, we might read like, oh, this was a powerful six-week period of time. Yeah. 12 years is the span of Esther 1 to Esther 10. So you've got a lot going on in the middle of that. And I think that's one of our problems is, is that... You back, I gave a long answer to your question. Back to some of the pitfalls. We are going to be really quick to want to connect dots. Mm. Um, I read a, a book that we would give out to graduating seniors when I was a youth pastor. It was a great book, a lot of just wisdom thoughts from different authors. And one of them was Max Lucado. Again, uh, sounds like that's the only guy I read. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned John Piper, though. Yeah, early, yeah, so yeah. I, so there's I, that. More than one. Take it. Um, but Lucado, though, he, he steals this great, I think it's a Chinese proverb, and it's all about looking at circumstances. And I, I won't remember the whole proverb, but it's like you see one set of circumstances and everyone in the village goes, oh, it's so sad for that guy. Mm. And then the very next thing happens and it's ironic, it's complete reversal. And then everyone in the, in the uh, village goes, oh, how lucky for him. And uh, this keeps happening time and time again. The same circumstance just takes a flip-flop and the, the people look like buffoons because they keep going, yay, or yeah. oh, you know, and it's like, what does the guy say at the end? You you are too quick to judge a circumstance as good or bad. Hmm. I think that's our problem when we begin looking for providence mm. is that we're so quick to want to understand how does this dot connect to this one? How does this circumstance connect to this one? How does this interaction I had connect to that one? Mm. So I think what I've learned is I'm going to stop trying to connect the dots because when I'm trying to connect them, it's probably premature. Yeah. I don't have enough of the picture to look back and see. But with some time, often I can You'll see marvel. Them. Wow. God, because you said no to that job opportunity, it opened this door. Yeah. God, because she dumped me, 
this is who you brought in my life. God, and we just can do that all day long yeah. with time. Yeah. In the yeah, moment. You're looking back five years ago yeah. in a lot of those situations. In the moment when I don't get the job. Yeah. God, where are you? This is the worst. In the moment when I get dumped, God, where are you? you know? Yeah. And then, but it's always with that time and better perspective, I can begin to see what God was creating a different set of circumstances mm. for. And so I think that's one of the big pitfalls is I'm going to want to jump to connect the dots. I'll be like those villagers who go, yay, it must be of God. And then boo, yeah. you know, and I'll keep doing this in my life. And, and the other part is, I can actually be more objective looking in your life or his life or her life than I can in my own. Mm. So as Have a some pastor, other people weigh in. Yeah, when I'm counseling with someone and I can go, you know what? Um, as I'm as you're telling me your story, have you ever connected that dot? Because that's kind of significant to oh, I never thought of that. Mm. And I think we can do that for each other. Hopefully, again, not taking our crystal ball and I can tell you what everything in your life means. Yeah. But being to be in community and say, you know, this theme keeps coming up. Mm. I wonder how God's going to use that in your life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's so. great. Yeah. I, I do think there is something so corporate about providence. You think about even how that the nation of Israel functions that way. You talked about how there's, you know, they literally celebrate this still every year, what happened in mm. Esther. And that's a corporate reality, a corporate reminder of the way that God showed up. And even as we're talking about pitfalls, it got me thinking about, um, there was a great uh, conversation that I listened to between uh, Philip Yancey and um, Kerry Newhoff on his podcast. And uh, I, they were talking about this memoir that Philip Yancey's been writing and just recently released of just kind of looking over his life. And he has this really rough childhood, um, very abusive and kind of hated God going through it. Uh, and he said at this point in his life, this just caught me like so well, especially in this topic of providence. He said at this point in his life, he's not really interested in stories of pain removed but in stories of pain redeemed. Mm, that's good. And I thought, man, that is so, and he even equated that to growth in his faith, where all he wanted was pain removed. Yeah. And I think as people, when we're looking for providence, we're generally talking about pain removed. That's what we want to see. And I think, man, time and time again, God's providence is our pain redeemed. Um, it's brought to a purpose or uh, some, we get to use it in a testimony with other people and find connections with them in it. I mean, th those are powerful moments. And so I, I think that's an interesting thing for us to kind of track as we begin to look over this course of the series for providence in our own life. Um, what would you say just real quick on why this is an important, uh, when we talk about these are theological words, why is this an important theology for us to have about God? Why is it important for us to think of God this way? Um, kind of what goes kind of haywire, I guess, when we don't. Yeah, I think if we fail to appreciate and value God's providential work in our lives, we will begin to think that he's not in control, mm. that he's not purposeful, that things are just random, and that there's maybe not a direction this is all heading toward. Mm. Might not be my direction, my preference, but he's up to something, again, good. Maybe even better than I would have wanted for myself, but it's good. Mm. And I think that that's what this doctrine keeps pulling us back to. It reminds me back to sovereignty. He's powerful enough, but it also reminds me in providence, he's purposeful enough mm. and he's going to get his will accomplished his way. It also was one of the, the last, we didn't get to see it yet in chapter one, but one of the, th the faith themes of this book 
is getting to partner with him. Because mm. that's where I go, if, if God did everything only miraculously, then you are just kind of an, an, a... Sit part, back and yeah, watch. You're, you're a spectator. Right? Yeah. But then when you go, but his providential work is through people, mm. through conversations, through circumstances, through choices to go talk to the king or not, then you go... I get to be a partner. I, I get to be, participate yeah. in God's providential working in other people's lives for Him to accomplish their good in their lives. Yeah. And so it kind of gives me a, a cool sense of purpose to go. I don't always know what that is, and and maybe even maybe even back to what you said about redeeming. Maybe in the places where I have failed Him or failed other people, providence reminds me maybe still something good can come hmm. where I feel like that failure is final. There yeah. is nothing good that's going to come from that. Um, Providence reminds me, God even uses my failures. doesn't make me want to go out and fail, Yeah, but it means I don't need to be hopeless that there's nothing good that can doesn't come. doesn't mean that my story's over either. Yeah. Or that I've ruined someone else's story forever. Yeah. What God's going to still do in that, I don't know. Yeah. And that concept of partnering that you're talking about is so interesting to me. To me, that is such a um, like mature spot in our faith to sit in because I think we struggle between one of two spots of either um, this side of where it's like, oh man, I got to go do everything um, because if I don't if I don't get involved, like I'm gonna have no place in God's kingdom and I got to go work my tail off. Mm -hmm. And then we get into this whole workspace thing that's completely off base and we've lost the gospel. And then there's this other side where it's like, man, God has quickened my heart to be able to respond to the gospel and now I that's I've miraculously, my eyes are open and now I just get to kind of watch what he's up to in my life and I get to point it out and I'll say, that's awesome. And it kind of just ends up being this kind of spectator thing. Mm -hmm. As you were talking, it almost got me thinking this is a weird parallel, but like you've got our uh, like kids today growing up with Fortnite. This, a bunch of them love to watch streamers, which is just watch me do my thing on Fortnite. And so some kids really enjoy that. And then other kids enjoy actually squatting up with their friends and getting involved. And I think this idea of partnership is like, no, get in the game. Yeah. It's not just sit and watch what God's doing, watch the stream, but get in the game. How do we kind of find that balance real practically in our lives to kind of get in the game this week? Yeah, I think for me, it comes back to God, I, I want to, number one, I want to recognize and value, again, you work providentially. And so I want to just kind of remind myself of the character and the ways of God so that when I am going to encounter different things this week, I'm not in my mind going, I don't know if God's even around. I don't know if he's even paying attention. No, I know. We know. I know he is. I don't know the whole story yet. But I want to be confident in the character of God. And I think the value of providence in just embracing that in my day-to-day mm. -day life is going to help me just keep reinforcing, no, God, you're up to something good. I, yeah. I can't see it, but I'm going to believe you for it. The other part is that back to that participate thing is like, God, I'm looking for ways that you are calling me in, bringing me to places of decision, bringing me to places of opportunity. And, and I think the key is what I find in my life, if I'll put my radar up, my spiritual antenna, and saying, God, I'm looking for ways. Like, what have I said a lot since coming to HTC is, I was so impressed with that idea of the importance of loving one another. Mm -hmm. What does love require of me today? If I'm thinking that thought every day when I start the day, pretty good chance 
I'm going to see some of the ways there's opportunity to do that versus being devoid and yeah. never, never even crossing my mind. If I will go, God, I'm waking up this morning and I believe there are some things you'd want me to partner with you. I get to be a part of your providential plan in people's lives. My antenna is going to be up looking for that, looking for that conversation, looking for that way to encourage, looking for that way to give perspective to someone that I might have otherwise thought I'm too busy. I don't know if my opinion matters anyway. I don't know if, if I, whatever I say, will they'll even listen to. It takes away all that and mm. goes, I'm just going to keep stepping in by faith and try to be available to the places where God might want to be using me. Yeah, it really is. It seems maybe so distant to say it, there is daily realities to knowing that God is up to something. But man, if you take that concept that God is up to something and then you begin a partnership with the Holy Spirit in your life each day to say, man, Lord, I know that you're up to something. I also know because my faith is in Jesus that you are indwelling me. Mm. And so you're up to something and you're in me. I want to I want to be a part of what you're up to. And I don't need to be the main character. I just want to be part of what you're up to. Mm. So when you start each day that way to say, remind myself, okay, God is up to something. And then pray that prayer, Lord, would your spirit help me see what you're up to in my life and show me where I can step in, where I can, um, I, I had a teacher in college say, uh, I'm really not a fan of that statement, what would Jesus do? And that caught everybody off in off guard in the class, right? Obviously, they were all like, "You can't say that, man!" Like that's a it's in the Bible. I'm pretty the bracelet, sure. Dude. I'm pretty sure it's in Scripture, man. And he was like, "It just it doesn't apply to today because there's so many situations that we're in that Jesus just wasn't, um, and also He's God and you're not." So maybe not the best question to ask. And he brought us back to a very similar, that what would love require of me today kind of a thing. His was, how can I be the hands and feet of Jesus? What is he up to and how can I join with him? Yeah. And I think, man, if we start looking for that in our life, we're going to start to see our worlds change for him. And think about the exponential power of that, meaning... I, what I love about HGC is it is a mobilized people. It's not a just watch the guy on stage or just watch these pastors do and they'll do all the ministry and you just watch. It's like, no, we are a people who are all about intentional Jesus influence mm. in our relational worlds, in our oikos. So when you think about that, a people unleashed who corporately believe that God would want to use them, that God's calling them into partnership in all kinds of ways and every day, man, you get this aggregate effect of just not like, oh, there's this one person in, in the high desert that God's really using coys. It's like God's using a community of people who's saying, God, I'm available and I want to be involved in your, yeah. your work. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Well, I hope it's encouraging to you. And as always, we'd love to know if you got a tangible takeaway coming off of uh, the message this weekend or even further questions on Providence. Let us know there in the comments. Don't forget to like the video, maybe share it with a friend. Uh, and as always, we'll catch you guys next week on Tangible Takeaways. But that's all we got for this week. See you guys next week.